Well, there are some beautiful aspects of capitalism, but there are also some very dark sides. And the Super Bowl halftime show, I would say, is a good example of, of the dark sides. It's my next book. season podcast uh just here happy to be hanging out with my friends tommy and lee what's going on guys not much great super bowl <laughs> well, i want to come clean to tommy a little bit i was all chiefs on the podcast and then and then i bet on the bucks late because because crehan was in the building um, I won't say I switched my pick, but I was. Let's just say I was covering my bases. Not unlike the, uh, the NFC Championship. Yep. There's nothing wrong yeah, with a little I mean, game day swap. That was that was really fun. I mean, I I kind of think it wasn't. I mean, I guess the way they lost was surprising just to see the Chiefs' offense be, you know, uh, be kneecapped in that way. But I think Clep, you and I, even though we were on the Chiefs' sides, we both kind of were like, eh, I don't know. And I mean, I said if Brady, if we're here on Monday morning and Brady won, it it wouldn't really surprise me in the in the least bit. But definitely the way in which that game went um, was surprising for me from the Chiefs' side. So overall, it was a it was a good game, and I think I learned some stuff. Uh, my bank account's a little worse for it, but playoff Lenny came through with that over rushing and receiving seventy eight and a half. So that kind of curbed a little of my losses. So that was fun to watch. There was um, two, just in terms of my life, there was too many signals pointing in the Bucks' way. Uh, I had learned that my grandfather had placed a, a bet on the Bucks using uh, his FanDuel promotional first-time bet thing. So that was you know, something that was pointing me in the direction of the Bucks. I knew Lee was making a play on the Bucks. Aiden was coming in. He was rooting for Brady. It was just—it was too much to handle for me. I couldn't—I couldn't go against the the tide. And like Clap, let's not ignore the fact that the Buccaneers made a very clutch uniform change that I think had a lot to do with them yeah. finding the success that they found. And you know, sometimes the football gods will reward you if you clean up your look a little bit and you don't—you uh, don't trot out to the field on Sunday looking like an arena football team uniform-wise. Are you? Are you sub? Are you sub tweeting the the Cardinals yeah, right now? I am. I am. And, you know what? In the Lions too. A couple other teams I could probably name that. You know, we don't need to go down that foxhole, but Bengals. It's, it's the truth. The Bengals are another one. Yes. Falcons. Falcons again. Change them. Yeah. Yeah. Texans. You need to just go to the Oilers. That's a big. Yeah. That's a big. Stick I think in my the head. Texans are. It's too generic. Yeah. It's too generic. But they're the Texans. I can yeah. live with at least. The teams yeah. like the Bengals and the Cardinals and even the Lions, I just, I've seen enough. I think the Lions have a nice helmet. Yeah, I think the helmet's nice. I think the Lions should make the throwback yeah. uniform the, the all-time home uniform and then get creative yeah. with the roads, kind of. Just figure out kind of a more, you know, a less is more approach. The Lions are kind of a historic um, team. They are a history. You guys, yeah, go are. back to your roots a little bit, you know? What about some uh, some brown pants? I, we've talked about that. Brown pants yeah. with the white uniforms. I mean, I think that could be a crisp look, potentially. Um, just a little quick Super Bowl recap. Obviously, Brady gets his seventh ring. 31-9, to I think, was the final score. First time in 
Mahomes' career that a game that he played in, there was no touchdown scored uh, by the offense for the Chiefs. Kind of just a drubbing, man. I mean, I this was a potentially an oversight on my part. Uh, I realized, like, in the second quarter that Mitchell Schwartz wasn't even playing. I knew that Eric Fisher was out, but I was kind of unaware that Mitchell Schwartz was not even in. And, you know, my buddies and I were watching it, and we just kind of noticed the Bucks were just getting after Mahomes, not even with blitzes, just little stunts and, and four-man pressures were, were kind of giving the Chiefs offensive line all they could handle. And... They just doubled Tyreek. They kind of let Kelsey, um, you know, get his. But at least when you're letting Kelsey go, it's not for 80-yard chunks uh, like it can be with Hill. And, you know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire had a nice little running game. But by the time that he was going, the Chiefs were kind of so far behind the eight ball, kind of, Lee, as you were saying uh, in our pre-pod discussion, that there was really nothing they could do. Yeah, and kudos to the three levels of Tampa Bay's defense being able to kind of Anytime you felt like the Chiefs were, were gaining momentum, um, someone on the Buccaneers is there to nip it in the bud, whether it be Devin White, who I think you could make an argument could have been the Super Bowl MVP, or uh, Antoine Winfield in the secondary, or obviously the, yeah. bata- the battalion up front uh, on the defensive line. Well, and, and I wanted to just mention uh, Levante David, who had a lot of the Travis Kelsey responsibility and really has been perennially one of the more underrated players in the NFL. Um, I'm seeing a lot of buzz for Devin White being the best linebacker in the NFL, which I think is a little bit of an overreaction from this game, but he obviously just gives you so many problems just with his speed. And Levante, too. Uh, Levante did a great job in Kelsey. And you guys both mentioned it. If, you're, if Tampa's able to rush four and able to have their secondary, who's young and, and very good, and uh, with that Todd Bull scheme, you know, cover with seven, it's a lot harder for, for the Chiefs, obviously, to, to kind of get used to what they were doing. So... Um, an overall just dominating performance from from Tampa and you know and Tom Brady just played well enough you know he played he had a really he had a good game and didn't make any mistakes and was just slow and steady and had his eyes on the prize the whole time and you know I, I really couldn't be happier for Brady Bruce Arians Todd Bowles clap your boy Byron Leftwich who uh, one of the more awkward moments was mistaken for Todd Bowles in the in the in the post game presser, which is just like inexcusable. I don't know how you do that, but that was that was uh, that got me a nice little chuckle. Um, but yeah, props to the Bucks, and uh, you know that was you know that was a great game. Props to you, Lee, too, for uh, for calling it for calling it back in August. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. I do want to say too, uh, I'm not here for any you know Mahomes apologists like John Dolan saying, oh, boo-hoo, I feel bad for Mahomes. Poor guy. Poor yeah. guy. Poor Mahomes. Oh, he's, it's not like he's got a freaking, like, 900 winning percentage in his first 40 games or whatever. Like, I think he'll be okay, yeah. dude. He's 24, and he's been to two Super Bowls and an AFC championship, and he's, like, already being referred to as the greatest quarterback ever. So let's, like, settle down on, like, feeling bad for Mahomes. Save some of that and, feeling and- bad for, you know... Josh Rosen or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> Sam, Sam Darnold. Darnold. Sam yeah, Darnold. don't feel bad for Mahomes is fine. I don't think anyone on this podcast feels bad for Josh yeah. Rosen. Mahomes needed that, I guess is what I'm saying. And, and I, you know what? Quite frankly, I'll say it. I was happy to see that happen. I was happy to see him get his ass kicked. Because you can't just come into the <laughs> NFL and, you know, smooth sailing all the way through. Because that's what it was for him. He, hadn't, he literally hadn't hit a hiccup his whole career up to this point. Every single game had been impressive. And you could poke holes at certain things that he did wrong in certain games. But, I mean, you, you really couldn't say anything bad about the guy. And even after this game, I mean, he played a pretty good game. But it's like he got, he got his ass kicked. And that's, you know, 
I think it needed to happen. And, you know, I'm happy that it happened. Well, yeah, and Lee, something I wanted to add real quick is that was like the, you know, obviously I think Mahomes played played well for the circumstance, and you know, I think he had like he ran for 497 yards and just you know like just him running. I'm not obviously net yards, but just him scrambling and running for his life pretty much the whole game. But that you know that Mahomes that we saw there was kind of like how a lot of people thought of him coming out of, of Texas Tech, you know, where he's just kind of this this wild gunslinger who, um, you know, just – and we didn't – like you said, Lee, we didn't see that kind of downside to his game. I don't even want to say that he played bad, but just not seeing him just completely dominate the game was just completely shocking and surprising. Um, and I think it's, you know, if you if you were to tell us, you know, last week when we were previewing this that the Chiefs were only going to get nine points – I mean, like, what were the odds on the Chiefs scoring exactly nine points yeah. or under ten points in this game? It's or true. Mahomes throwing under one-and-a-half touchdown passes? I, I so. want to say something, too, Tommy, and I want to see if you have, have any pushback against this because this guy's kind of your boy. Mikko Hartman is just not that good. Like, he's a wide receiver three yeah. at kind of best and, like, a gadget guy who's never really going to be a, a good— like, he's, he's, like, the Chiefs probably need to go get a receiver because Tyreek Hill is their only true receiver— um, when Sammy Watkins is going to be gone, and Sammy Watkins is kind of not healthy all year, and Hardman's a good gadget player and obviously a great athlete, but like you, he just like is in no realm. Is it possible that he's going to be a wide receiver too in the NFL? I just yeah. If I if you have yet to see that by now, I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he really needs to be for. I mean, I I agree with you, Lee. Like. I think they have other needs. Like, if I'm the Chiefs GM, I mean, obviously they could use... I think Sammy Watkins does a great job of being their wide receiver, too. But I think for what, you know, what we saw Miko do during the playoffs, like, that is a fine role for him that he can excel in, where he's, you know, getting schemed up stuff from Andy Reid and jet sweeps and little screens and sure, stuff yeah. where you're just kind of getting getting the ball in his hands. But, yeah, there's not really any pushback from me here. I don't think he's a complete receiver by any means. I mean, he was overdrafted. We were all, you know, that, that 2019... Uh, draft class, you know, we kind of talked about him as, oh, he's really fast, and the Chiefs took him, I think, in the second round, um, and, you know. Yeah, I think they did. And so, uh, I just think, you know, yeah, not a lot of pushback there. I don't think he's a really complete receiver by any means, but he works for their system, and you know, not much yeah, more to add. Something, too, I just wanted to say about Mahomes' game, something that we've seen Brady do almost his whole career, though, even, is just get the ball out fast. And I don't know if we really saw that adjustment from the Chiefs' offense um, or Mahomes, really, where they're just trying to do little two-step passes underneath and, and things like that. Obviously, Bucks' defense was everywhere. They weren't really getting fooled by any of the misdirection stuff the Chiefs were even trying to pull with you know, jet, fake jet sweeps and screens and all the stuff that seems to work on every other team. But I just think the Bucks came in extremely prepared from their game against the Chiefs earlier in the season. And really just um, kind of asserted their dominance almost. And I think, you know, too, it's just such a testament to Brady. That whole team was uber talented, but just kind of off the rails. Um, even to an extent, you know, Bruce Arians, who in his past has been known to be somewhat, you know, aggressive, but to the point where he gets reckless. And I think that whole team was an embodiment of that last year where you could see all the pieces, but with all the turnovers and even earlier in the season, you saw them committing penalties game after game and just being sloppy. And by the end of the season, they were pretty much uh, as flawless of a team that we've seen, I think, in, in the past seasons of, of the NFL. Yeah, they got hot at the right time, surely. And 
Another thing I just wanted to bring up, too, because it's something that we've talked about a lot on the podcast, I think, throughout the latter part of the year, um, was just, you know, the Chiefs were kind of playing with fire, playing with their food a little bit for the whole year. They, you know, were a 15 or, I guess, a 14-2 and two team, but really, you know, that I don't count that last uh, loss, but, you know, weren't covering, you know, as, as we kind of get that gambling angle, they were a team that weren't covering a lot of games, um, and, you know, let teams come back in. The Tampa Bay game is a prime example of that, uh, you know. And I think we kind of saw a team that had so much invested in Patrick Mahomes just being a magician, which he surely is, that, you know, some real adversity comes their way in the form of the Bucks with a defense that can really get after it and has legit speed um, at all three levels. And, you know, they just couldn't really overcome that. And I think... You know, that was something that throughout the year I know we all talked about is, you know, uh, uh, the Chiefs, you know, they didn't they were they didn't seem like as dominant as they were down the stretch in their Super Bowl run last year. Yet they had the results and they were, you know, this one loss team. Um, And I think we kind of, you know, I think all in all, if you're a Chiefs fan, this is a good thing. This is you can find silver linings from this because you do have Mahomes. He's still super young. You still have such a, a blue chip, as Klepp likes to call them. Um, in that organization and, and, you know, what their their future holds going forward. But, you know, that being said, this needs to be a learning moment for, you know, Mahomes and the organization as a whole because you can't just rely on it's a team game and it's not like the NBA. You can't just have Mahomes go out there and, and win, put the team on his back for and expect to win, you know. So. And looking on kind of the way everything went in hindsight, um, their path to the Super Bowl, obviously they got the bye deservedly so, but the Chiefs' path to the Super Bowl wasn't necessarily like an impressive one. I mean, they needed some some heroics from Chad Henney to get past a Cleveland Browns team that obviously was pretty good this year. But I wouldn't necessarily say at any point during the season or playoffs did I consider the Cleveland Browns a Super Bowl threat. Um, they they needed Chad Henney to get that the late heroics, like I said. And then in the Bills game, I mean, obviously the Chiefs played well, but I just feel like Buffalo. Uh, played one of their worst games of the year, or at least the later half of the year, with how hot they were playing leading up to that game. I almost felt like the stage almost was too big for Buffalo at the time, um, and their offense kind of let it get the best of them, and even their defense did too. So I just think that the Chiefs maybe came into um, the Super Bowl with just a little bit more of a sense of entitlement than, uh, than, they, than they ought to have. Um, Tommy... Did you get a silent ref- reflection in? Dude, I didn't, man. I was really... Uh, I, I'm, did you I'm, watch the weekend? I did watch the weekend. I'm, <gasps> oh at, my I'm, at, my, I'm at my buddy my buddy Leo's house, uh, and, you know, he, he's not a big football guy. He, he, he's, uh, you know, he likes the weekend. He likes the music <laughs> stuff. Um, so I unfortunately had to, had to sit through it. Um, but I plan on that never happening again. Um, I'll never forget Lee last year in the hotel. Yeah. Uh, with Dad, we made we took a nice took little a walk. That mostly Good. consisted about him talking about his now ex girlfriend Diane yep. and the and the trials and tribulations Tri- that he was going. It was through. classic. It was classic. It was classic. A lot of Tommy being like, you know, it was I some Cat you know, Stevens. It was up. some Cat Stevens material. It was some Cat was Stevens level. Some Yusuf stuff. Um, Clap! I got a reflection in. I'm going to take the floor here because I got a I got a great reflection in. Well, so so for those who don't know, a couple years back uh, in the Highlander newsroom, we were commiserating about how awful the Super Bowl halftime shows were, and collectively decided that we just would stop watching them. And in the over-commercialized, over-you uh, know-stylized, very much 
always stimulating Super Bowl event that you just take a break. You know, go to your room, take a walk, close your eyes, listen to, you know, some, some spiritual music mm. perhaps, and uh, just take a break and reflect. So uh, the floor is yours. Well, there are some beautiful aspects of capitalism, but there are also some very dark sides. And the Super Bowl halftime show, I would say, is a good example of, of the dark sides. Um, so I was with my lovely girlfriend Abigail here in Ann Arbor. We were watching the game together, and um, I had been planning on reflecting the whole time. And uh, she wanted to watch the weekend. So I said, you know what, fine. You can watch the weekend. I'm going to go up and reflect. So I put some headphones on, and I put Philip Glass on shuffle. And I put the volume up all the way. And I laid on my back for the whole, uh, actually not the whole time, for about probably 90% of the halftime. The last 10%, I, I turned over and I started doing some slow push-ups. Because I was just feeling some to get some slow push-ups and a little, a little stimulation, a little blood flow. Going into the third quarter, I was trying to visualize. Um, I obviously had a, a good amount of money on the Buccaneers, and I was thinking, man, I told Tommy, I, I laid down in that, on that uh, halftime reflection, and I thought to myself, all right, it's, it's 21 to 6, and the Chiefs are getting the ball at halftime, or after half. If the Buccaneers can get a stop, if they can stop the Chiefs from scoring even a touchdown, hold them to a field goal, if they can get a stop, and not let the Chiefs score a touchdown, they're going to win this game. That's what I thought to myself. They're going to win this game if they can get a stop. And I thought to myself, on the other side of the token, I'm in trouble if the Chiefs drive down the field and score here because it's a one-score game, and it's anyone's game at that point. We're thinking maybe, you know, 13, 12 minutes left in the third quarter, one-score game, we're back, it's anyone's ball game. So uh, that was kind of how my reflection went. And then obviously coming out and seeing Tampa Bay get a stop to start the third quarter was um, – was, was great for me, and, you know, it obviously all went kind of uphill from there. So great reflection. Really looking forward to doing it again next year. Didn't watch one second of the weekend's performance. Don't even know what jacket he was wearing. The only thing I know about it is the memes I'm seeing online of the, of yeah. the Golden Room or yeah. whatever, which is the people can have their fun with that. I'll, I'll sit that one out. I just wanted to say one thing, too. Um, you forget about the brouhaha of the Super Bowl, man, and it really is unnecessary. Yeah. I mean, just... Uh, like I got so excited when the when the when the first whistle blew and it was actually football, but there's so much fluff surrounding the Super Bowl, man. That well, even the commercials, some, man. Some, no, the commercials are ridiculous, and even I'm saying us as some bona fide football guys that are just used to just getting turning the red zone on at, at one or ten or twelve, whatever your time slot is, and just seeing some good football being played. That's what I was so pumped for when it started. But I mean. What was it? I mean, out here it was, uh, what, 3 or 4 did it start at? Is it, no, it was 3.30, I guess yeah. it was supposed to start at. The, the game didn't start for like 45 minutes after it was supposed to start. It was just ridiculous uh, waiting for all of that. So you talked about the dark side of capitalism and, you know, how, how that you know, uh, consumes. Yeah. <laughs> Chapter 1. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just wanted to say it's just it's kind of a ridiculous event. Um, but it was, you know, again, we're football guys. It's, we we want to see the action. So, I did really enjoy the game, but it's just so it's so just unself aware and just transparent. So yeah, yeah. I rub, rub me the wrong last way. year. Last year, um, I watched the Super Bowl by myself, which was actually a really awesome experience. It led to quite a quite a reflection. Mm. We'll just we'll just put it there. Um, didn't quite have the same um, deep meditative state this time around. I had you know had some friends over to to watch the game, but I excused myself for the Super Bowl and and went into my room and just kind of laid there and you know could could hear the commotion going on from the living room, so wasn't able to quite uh, 
go go deep down under, almost like I was in Interstellar, going Club. down for the long nap. How many times did you just mutter under your breath, "They'll never understand" when you heard when you heard that commotion coming from the other room? <laughs> Something like that. So I I I just kind of I I really took to heart the reflection piece of it, and I thought back to to where I was when I was reflecting uh, in my room in Chicago, and just went through each month each month since. Mm. Thought about a moment from each mm. month that I that I enjoyed. Uh, something that you know happened each month that I was that I was thankful for and was made me smile a little bit and thought a little bit. You know, it's just been it's been quite a year, especially for um, with COVID and everything too. Like just thinking about um, all the people. Like just I thought about Ed Ashoff, man, and before the before the Super Bowl, Chris Wessling, who I really like from NFL Media, passed away from cancer, and um, Seku Smith, who was an NBA guy, died of COVID. And then during the Super Bowl, like, Pedro Gomez died. Mm-hmm. It came out in, like, the fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, and then uh, this just this past week, Therese Paler from Yahoo Sports um, died. And it's just, like, it's crazy, man. So got to be thankful. Got to yeah, be thankful and reflect. Good point. Yeah. Good point. Every day, every so day is was, a gift, man. Absolutely. So, you know, it was just it was a nice moment for me just to kind of – Sometimes, you know, your problems aren't that big. Absolutely. Right? Like, as, as, my, as my friend Lee likes to say, the thing that people don't really realize is that they're not poor. <laughs> yeah, it's true, man. It's very true. <laughs> Existence bias. I, Existence yeah. bias by Sam Harris. I had to stop myself. Uh, my cat got ringworm the other day, and uh, mm. I was getting really in, a, in the fritz about it, man. I was really worked up about it. And I was thinking, I was, woe is me. That was me. I was, oh, man. How could this be happening to me? My cat has ringworm. Now I have to deal with it. I got to make sure I don't get ringworm. And then I was just thinking, like, this is such a small problem. This problem is so small in the grand scheme of things, and it's something that I'm probably not even going to remember in like a year and a half. I won't even remember that this happened. So it's always good to put things in perspective and to not, uh, not you know, go down the pitfalls of, of things that ultimately aren't that important. <clears throat> and, and Tommy, it's okay. The uh... The brutal arm of capitalism sucks us in every once in a while. You can't really help it, right? It's and so, um, we'll welcome you back, comrade, uh, next next year. <laughs> oh man, that's great. Um, um, should we get get into yeah. some QB talk? Let's get into some QB talk. So our our plan for this is to just go through the draft order and kind of peruse about the QB situations of all these teams because uh, that's that's you know the NFL is one thing, the Shield is one thing, but quarterbacks run this league uh, whether you like it or not so just going to kind of take take a quick glance at at all these teams going in it seems like you know last year there was tons of quarterback movement and for compared to past off seasons in this off season it seems like it's going to be even crazier obviously already the Stafford thing you know already went down and it's the season hadn't even ended yet right so just with with COVID and the combine and these pro days Everything seems to be somewhat accelerated at this point, and it's just going to be a crazy offseason, I think, um, overall when you think about some of the free agents that are out there, but especially looking at the quarterback situations, uh, a lot happening. So um, start with the Jaguars. I don't think there's much debate to go on here. They're probably going to take Lawrence at one. Yeah, and I guess a quick side note would be that his pro day was today. Um, yeah. And I watched some clips of it, and you know, nothing, nothing very surprising just happening there. Bombs, yeah, he's just throwing bombs. Just been doing, been oh. doing that um, on mm-hmm. the field for the past few years. So, I think he's basically a shoe in at this point with the number one pick. I'm almost thinking like they have to have caps 
on how much you can bet on these sites for Trevor Lawrence to be the number one pick because it's like minus 5,000, I think. But it's like if I had a yeah. bunch of money, I would just bet like $500,000 on that because he's going to be the number one pick. It's like a fact. Um, unless he like yeah. dies before the draft, but, like the, he no, literally will be the number one pick. It's a certainty. So I, I, I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked if there's anything over like a two thousand dollar limit yeah, on those bonds yeah, or no. something like that. Um, Lee, just to, I mean, not to go, go too deep into this because we have probably until the season starts next year to get into this. But as far as Lawrence goes, like he seems to me, at least as someone who doesn't watch a ton of ton of college football, as just like as can't miss as you can get. Guy who started for three years, made the college football playoff every single year, won a championship when he was a true freshman. He's, what, 6'5", 220, mm-hmm. with, like, 10-inch hands and just can throw it all over the yard and also has mobile, you know, mobility in his game. Is he, like, as can't miss as luck was? Yeah, I think he is. And I think all that stuff you said honestly takes a backseat to uh, his off-the-field ability to compose himself, handle himself, and just kind of – how much he clearly loves the game of football, how invested he is in it, and how, man, the cameras have been on this guy for not just the past four years. It's been the past seven or eight years. So this is someone who I think absolutely is in that same category as Luck where he's done, he's proven it all on the field. That stuff is almost like, you know, it's taken for granted sometimes. I will say that he does have a slight interception issue that I've that I noticed at Clemson, but I don't think it's anything to be too bent out of shape about. Um, he just, I think he's just got he's got some gun, uh, gunslinger traits to him that I think sometimes come back to bit him, bite him a little bit in college. But I don't think that's a major issue. I, I think he is can't miss, and I think like I you know was just saying about I think the Jaguars would be stupid. I think he to not take him. He's miles ahead of I think any other prospect um, at the quarterback position. Yeah. And Lee, just real quick, um, I think that interception issue, a lot of it is just stems from his kind of him, like we saw from Kyler in that Detroit game, just getting a little over his skis and his ability. Uh, because last year, that first half of last year when he was struggling a little bit before he turned it on at the end, um, I think a lot of that just came, you know, I just remember the, the first half of the 20-2019 season where he was playing bad and they almost lost to Syracuse, I want to say it was, something like that, and... Um, you know, a lot of that came from him just thinking he could make every throw in the book mm-hmm. uh, coming off that, that championship season. So that's kind of – that's probably the only flaw that I'd, I'd say about him as well. Um, so we move on to the New York Jets, and obviously they have Sam Darnold uh, in their, on their roster as it sits. They hired Robert Sala and also brought in – is it Mike LaFleur? I think so. Another yes. LaFleur yeah. floating around the NFL who is the passing game coordinator in San Francisco – to be the OC with the Jets. Um, where do you guys, I mean, you guys are some of the bigger Darnold fans I know. Um, I don't know, I'm, I'm not as much in the Darnold camp maybe as you guys are, you in favor of, you know, it, not to say we're going to project what happens, but if you are Joe Douglas, I mean, uh, dear Joe, Lee, you're, you're pending your letter. What are you, what are you asking uh, Joe to do in this situation? Keep Sam Darnold. Give him his first chance to be the quarterback of the New York Jets without Adam Gase being the head coach. I mean, the guy hasn't – literally, I don't think he has – and obviously some of it's his fault. I'm not saying it's – like, Darnold hasn't been that impressive, but he also has been really impressive at some points, and we really have yet to see him blossom into the player everyone thinks he can become. And I do think there's a reason why reports are that he's – in, in trade talks, they're, they're commanding a first-round pick or, or teams are willing to offer a first-round pick. 
I think that's because people still understand Darnold is 24 years old. He has a lot of potential. And my Dear Joe letter would go a little something like, hey, man, you got the 23rd pick and the second pick, and you got a guy who's 24. You know, I personally, this is me speaking from a personal standpoint from what I've watched of Zach Wilson and Justin Fields, I think Sam Darnold could very well be in the exact same conversation as those guys. He's just a year and a half older than them. I don't know why you would draft another guy to bring him onto your already kind of bad roster, trade back from the two spot, acquire some more picks, and really try to build that roster around Darnold, give him one more year with kind of a new look coaching staff that I have a little bit more faith in to uh, kind of see what you can do with him because I really don't think that Darnold has given you a fair shake and I don't think you've given Darnold a fair shake yet. And I think the only thing to do is kind of to give him more time. So that would, that would be kind of where my head's at. And I agree with you, Lee. I think the, the counter-argument for the whole drafting a quarterback for the Jets is more ter- due to the rookie contract and the fact that, let's say Darnold has a Josh Allen jump this year in a, in a system that I have a lot of confidence, not only in Salah but in LaFleur, just because I obviously have a bit of a Kyle Shanahan bias. And I really think that if they're able to replicate what he's able to do in San Francisco and they're kind of his disciples and Salah obviously will bring it on defense, I can see this... This team being competitive next year, especially with a guy like Sam Darnold, who, Lee, you mentioned all the natural abilities that we see in an offense that is a little bit more tailored towards him and a little bit more user-friendly. But that being said, I think the counter-argument... First of all, I'll say that I agree. I would keep Darnold and trade back. I think the counter-argument, which I see some some valid points to, is you draft a, a Fields, a Wilson, a Lance, whoever you like, at two. You trade Darnold for a one or a two because... If Darnold makes the leap or if, if he's anywhere on the spectrum from, you know, uh, Josh Allen having an MVP type year to just being like a top 15 quarterback, his contract is up next year and you're going to have to pay him. You know, I'm not he's not going to get top of the market money, but he's going to get probably 30 million dollars a year or something like that if he's a top 15 quarterback. And then, you know, you're just kind of in this position where how much better is Darnold than a Fields, a Wilson, a Lance or whatever other guy you like on a more cost controlled rookie contract for another four years with the fifth year option so i think that is an interesting an interesting thought experiment to do um but either you know either way if you're trading back from the second overall pick and you can do that and you're trading with you know denver or carolina and you're getting you know two future a a one this year and some more ones and you already have the seahawks draft capital for this year and next year i mean i think i think the jets are in a really good possession uh position either way so um, but evident, I mean, I'm with you, Lee, in the end, and I would, I would keep Darnold. Yeah, I mean, what they're sitting at two twenty three and then thirty four. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. I mean, so you got a really good opportunity there just to get some some core pieces, even. And then, like you said, you know, you you could even trade back to you know maybe Detroit or Carolina or Atlanta if they're trying to jump up and acquire some. You know, you could you could trade back to to eight and ask Carolina to give you their second round pick, mm-hmm. and then you're really just just collecting dudes. And, um, well, and just one little thing too, even if they were to go back to San Francisco at twelve, or I mean, I know they're not going to trade with New England, but in any of these teams, New England, uh, Washington, Indianapolis, you know, I think you can go a little bit further into the first round. But the Jets have so many needs that like. If they're at 12 in San Francisco, they're in a prime position to take a Pat Sertain or a Caleb Farley, who's a corner that they could use, or a receiver like a, you know whoever falls to them really, uh, or maybe like a Kyle Pitts who could potentially fall there. So, um, you know they're in a, they're in a really good spot. Let's move down to to three, and I want to pose a question for Lee. 
So, I mean, kind of going off what we've said here, say say the pick at two isn't um, a quarterback for the Jets, or maybe say, you know, they take Zach Wilson, mm-hmm. right? And you're sitting at three, and you're the Dolphins, and you, you've kept this pick. And would you – what would you do here? Would you consider, you know, where is your head at with Tua? And then would you rather, I guess – have fields for the third pick or give up the king's ransom that it's going to take to get watson from houston uh i'd give up the king's ransom for watson because i think like i said pre-pod i think the dolphins are the only team right now that is equipped to trade for deshaun watson based on the draft capital they have and the talent they have on their roster um Honestly, I think that maybe the Dolphins should consider, you know, the fact that they probably could bulk up their offensive line a little bit. But outside of that, I think this team is a Deshaun Watson away from being a Super Bowl contender, quite frankly. They won 10 games with Tua and Ryan Fitzpatrick in a relatively tough division with the Bills. I mean, I know the Patriots and Jets are bad, but I I think that the Bills were a good team. They had a pretty tough schedule. They had some impressive wins. They beat the Rams. They almost beat the Chiefs. Um, I think this team is definitely a step away, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know what they think about Tua inside that building. If they believe in him and, he, and they think he's the guy, and they think that how I see Darnold, they see Tua, sure, fair enough. If you see it that way, maybe you can draft a playmaker or move down in the draft. I don't know. Um, but I would have Watson on, the mind, uh, on my mind if I was Miami. Trade the third pick, your later first-round pick, and, you know, maybe uh, – a defensive guy and get Watson, and now you have a 25-year-old franchise quarterback. Maybe you could possibly move Tua for a pick um, because you probably wouldn't want both those guys if you're going to be trading for Watson. So that would be interesting to see how that plays out. But honestly, I, I guess to answer your question, I wouldn't be in the market of drafting a quarterback if I were the Miami Dolphins. For me, it's either you're going to get a playmaker with that pick or you're going to put some stuff together and trade for Watson. And, 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 and those are kind of the only two options I really see for them. Yeah, Lee, I'm completely with you. I do think that the price for Watson, I think, is going to be even more than that. I think, obviously, you'd probably have to include two in the deal. I think you'd have to give one three, one eighteen, maybe your second, and probably a future first. I mean, if I were the Dolphins, I would front load the trade with picks instead of, like, spreading it out. And I just think, you know, you're betting on you being pretty successful next year. Uh, with a Deshaun Watson, but, you know, that's kind of besides the point. Um, I'm with you. Should we do Houston now, too, since this is technically their pick? Um, they're not going to be in the first round. I don't know. Go for it. I mean, if I'm Houston, uh, it seems like an inevitability that, that Deshaun Watson doesn't want to be there and is going to be out. So I think on the Houston side of the coin, I think it's acquiring as much draft capital as you can, getting a stopgap quarterback, whether that's Desha- I mean, whether that's Tua, whether that's Sam Darnold, whether that's you know Jimmy Garoppolo, whoever um, you know whoever they end up trading Deshaun to, you're going to have to get a, a guy to you know be your starting quarterback for next year, and also a king's ransom of draft capital and kind of just uh, you know reinvigorate their just depleted draft capital. Um, J.J. Watt got released today. I was a little late to that party. I, I just saw that. Um, so, I mean, Houston's in a little bit of a rebuild now. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. They're in, like, a Houston's organizational the Chernobyl. Yeah. They, yeah. Over, over Detroit, Lee, you're in that camp I now? I think they might be. I mean, with Will yeah. Fuller being gone, Deshaun hypothetically being gone, J.J. Watt now being gone, it's like, who's good on their team? Like, Laramie Tunsil and, and David Johnson? Like, is that their... That's kind of yeah. what they're going with. Like, I don't know, Zach Cunningham, you know, I guess. 
Sure. I, I don't know. I think that they're definitely... Charles, Charles Amenahue, I'll maybe. be safe and say that they're the worst team in the AFC, but I will say I wouldn't even be thinking about getting a quarterback in the draft this year if I were the Houston Texans. I would be completely yeah. trying to build my roster outside of the quarterback position because regardless of how well you draft, you're not going to be good next year. You're going to have a top-five pick, um, and that's next year or even the year after is probably when you should start to focus on getting a quarterback if you can't acquire a young, good quarterback like maybe Donald or Tua. Who knows? If they get one of those guys, maybe they end up panning out. Um, but, but drafting a quarterback, I don't think, should be on their radar. Yeah, I'm, I'm well documented for Miami of getting off Tua. Um, whether they get Deshaun or, or even draft a guy like Fields, I, I'd be on board with whatever plan they think is best. Because, I mean, you know, if they draft a guy like Fields and, and move Tua, they got a lot of draft capital to, to build around That's him, true. too. And I think, I think Fields is a great player. Mm-hmm. So um, Atlanta well, Falcons are, are an interesting, in an interesting spot at four. Um, you know, they're, they're guaranteed to have one of at least the top four QBs, um, at least on, you know, the top four on-paper QBs with uh, Lance Fields and, and uh, Field, or, sorry, Lance Fields and Wilson sitting there at four. Um, they just brought in Arthur Smith from Tennessee. They can't really move off of Matt Ryan, at least realistically from what I've read this year, but I think we're about to see Wentz get moved, and, and we've already seen Goff get moved. So with these contracts, these teams kind of seem to be doing whatever they want, but it would be a pretty big cap hit for Atlanta to move on to Matt Ryan this year, whereas next season I think they could maybe get a little more value for him based off of his uh, contract at that point. Um, what do you think the Falcons do? They're kind of in a weird spot. I don't, I don't know if I love the Arthur Smith hire so much. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I think, you know, I think Matt Ryan's almost in a type of Stafford situation where he's just been there forever, and it, you know, they got close, but but not close enough. And I don't see them getting back to the Super Bowl while he's there. Yeah, I, I agree, and it's kind of a tricky spot too because if this draft, like it very well could, gets quarterback crazy, you're ending up getting not really your pick of the litter. You're kind of getting whoever the other teams don't get, um, which is not really a great situation to be in. I think you kind of have to bite the bullet here and not draft a quarterback, but it kind of leaves them in a weird spot because I don't really know who they'd be targeting. Um, I can't help but feel like they'd be overdrafting if they're not drafting a quarterback at four. Um Maybe you get some help on the offensive line. The defense has a lot of a lot of holes, so there, there's a lot of work to be done there. Or maybe they just kind of take that that fourth pick and 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 get creative and try to move up in the draft and get the quarterback of their choosing and, and let him even maybe sit behind Matt Ryan and and groom him to be the future of the franchise in, in the division that they're in right now. I don't really know. I don't know. I mean, it's the NFL, so there, there's a lot of turnover. But I just their roster is not very good. They need help in a lot of different places. So I almost feel like it'd be too much of a luxury taking a quarterback. Um, so I, I, I don't know. It's a tough spot. I think in the top five, maybe even top ten picks, this is a kind of the toughest spot to predict what's going to happen, um, just because of the, the the layered situation that the Atlanta Falcons have found themselves in. Yeah, I actually kind of disagree. Uh... Oh, with that, I think you've got to take a quarterback if you're Atlanta or trade down. I just think with the value, you're at, you have the fourth pick. Um, there might be a chance they're in that same position next year. Um, they, their division, surely, I think is going to be competitive next year. I think Carolina probably should be better, depending on what they do at QB. But you have the fourth pick. I just think, yes, Lee, you're right. They do have a lot of holes. But are you really, I mean, 
who are you going to draft at four if you stay there? Are you going to take Micah Parsons or like uh, Pat Sertan? I no, just don't know. I'm saying they could get creative and, and trade, but I'm but yeah. Yeah. I think Klepp brought it up. I was going to say the same thing. Uh, you can move off Matt Ryan next year. They're in a great spot to kind of have a, a QB stay behind that, sit behind Matt Ryan and learn the offense. They have oh, some really good offensive weapons um, with Julio, Calvin Ridley, and aging Julio, granted, but Calvin Ridley is a really good receiver. Hayden Hurst um, is a nice vertical threat at, at tight end. Um, so I think this is actually a nice spot to groom a quarterback behind Matt Ryan for a year and then going to next year in a spot where you can potentially trade down if you're bad again or just kind of fill out the rest of the roster um, and, you know, probably trade Matt Ryan for an asset, um, whatever that be. So I think this is a really nice spot for Atlanta to draft their quarterback at the future. Um, quickly, boys, just just real immediate response. Do you feel better about Dan Campbell or Arthur Smith? Dan Campbell. Mm. Um, I would say... Dan Campbell. Here's the thing with Arthur Smith. I like I, I didn't know anything about him before last year, and then he's been. So this was a su- rapid response, Tommy. He's, he's, this is a rapid I mean, response to situation. A rapid response. I mean, I guess I'd go with Dan Campbell because I think he has a higher floor. But Arthur Smith, you know, being an offensive guy who did you know wonders, quote unquote, for the the Titans' offense, I think you know he's interesting. But I don't really have a lot of faith in that hire. I much rather would have went after a Bienemy, a Dable, or a uh, Joe Brady. I think so. Atlanta's in some trouble, man. And I think just what you were saying just now, Tommy, could be there could be the stake through that of the heart of that franchise is drafting a guy like whoever I don't know, uh, but a quarterback whoever is there at four, and sitting him behind Matt Ryan and Julio's already getting older, so you haven't really you had the fourth pick and you haven't changed your roster at all, so you're going to be bad. And they're going to be bad regardless, though. If they, I don't necessarily trade back, know if that's true, though. I don't. I, I don't know if that's true. I think maybe if they could get creative and someone else wants to come and get a Wilson or Lance or Fields or whatever at four, um, and they can move back to ten or twelve or whatever, they could start to get some think, defensive pieces. And they could. Do you think that's the difference between them being competitive this year, though? If they get like Quiddy Pay, or, I, well, I, uh, well, you I know. think it could be if you're comparing it to either them drafting a quarterback who's not going to play this year, or them drafting a guy on defense who's going to be a starter for them. Like, yeah, I think it absolutely could be a difference for them, um, especially if they can acquire more picks moving back. If they get like 15 and then an early second round pick or something like that, I don't know. But I think that they could ultimately kind of doom themselves if they don't try to win now. Um, I don't so, know, man. so that's just kind of the, the spot I think I they think, find themselves in. Especially considering yeah. they're not going to re-sign Gurley, too. Um, you know, that experiment need, didn't really Gurley's, work out Gurley's well. Gurley's bad. I, I'm not saying he's good. I'm just saying that they're, the state of their, of their offense, like they just need a lot of help. And I don't think that drafting a quarterback – this year is necessarily going to be moving the needle really for them at all. Yeah, I mean, I just will say they're, I think they're screwed regardless. And I think if they draft, even if they were to get a Chase Young level talent, which is not going to happen, but even if they were, they're still probably going to be the worst team in the, in the NFC South. I think they're going to be the third thing worst. to say. That they'd be the well, worst I mean, team I, in the NFC South if they drafted a Chase Young level talent. Right, like, they're not okay. Uh, let's, they're not going to get a Chase Young well, level talent. Well, then don't generalize your point, man. Like, say well, what the, you want to say. Point, the, the point well, is, they could still be successful with Arthur Smith and Matt Ryan and Julio yeah, Jones and Calvin Ridley. I think is what he's trying to say. Years. So, 
Maybe yeah, see what you can do. And with this is kind of their They've window. Got, like Julio's said, he's coming back. They said they're bringing Matt Ryan back. I I don't think Matt Ryan's good. Like I think Julio's past his prime. But I'm saying if they want to try to fit this window, and they clearly think that they can win with these guys, or else they wouldn't be committing to them. Um, they should guess, try to build their roster around around these guys my, and really and really try to win. My point is that. No matter how many stud defensive rookies they get, I just don't, their ceiling still is is capped a little bit, and we've seen it for the past three years of them going seven and nine or eight and eight. Like they just aren't, you know. We've we've fallen for the Falcons before, and I just think unless you are certain, you're going to have to get a quarterback of the future either next year or trading capital. But right now you're in the fourth spot. You're guaranteed to get one of the four top quarterbacks. You probably will get, you know, you probably could get one of the top three. I just think you can't take for granted that you're you're in the fourth overall spot. You need to take an impact player, a franchise changing player, and I don't think drafting Jamar Chase or you know Kyle Pitts or well, I'm not a saying, cornerback. You know, yeah. I, if um, we we can get off this, right? Yeah, I don't know. I, let, let's move on to the the Bengals here. I think you know we're all going to say stick with Burrow, yep. draft an offensive lineman. Yep. Or or receiver. I, I I'm not a you know if they were to go out and get one of the three top receivers or Kyle Pitts, I think that could help them a lot. But obviously, after seeing Burrow get they need you know, to get a lineman, tiny... man. I think they yeah, kind of just no, have to I... bear down and bite the bullet that they're not going to get a, a toy for Burrow. They can get one of those guys. I feel like later they got an early second round pick. I just feel like you kind of need to get um, one of those top linemen. You can, get a, you can get a little toy in free agency. Yep. That's that's yeah. another point. The only people yeah. don't want to come play for with Burrow. I mean, I know since he isn't a hot destination, but they got some things going for Change them. Change the uniforms. Um, maybe maybe someone wants to come. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> Eagles. Uh, I think so. It seems like they're gonna move Wentz and and stick with Hertz. Lee, you were not a big Hertz guy. What do you kind of feel about that scenario? Or do you think they're <sighs> gonna make a play for a quarterback in the draft? I mean, I don't think they should make a play for a quarterback in the draft because their team isn't good. And they just drafted a quarterback in the second round last year in Hurts. And they drafted once not too long ago with the second overall pick. It's going to kind of pain me to say this. I think they should keep Wentz. Um, I don't know how strained the relationship is with him and the, and the brass of that organization. But this is your guy that you drafted with the number two overall pick a couple years ago. You're clearly – here's the thing. It's become clear, based on reports, that the Eagles are demanding a Stafford-like loot for Wentz, and nobody wants to meet that loot, which basically to me means you think Wentz is better than everybody else thinks, which also means just keep him and have him be your quarterback. He had an absolutely terrible year last year, but so did your whole offense. You've been awful at drafting the last few years. I think you need to keep both these guys. I, I, it's hard for me to speculate again because I really don't know the relationship between Hertz and Wentz, between Wentz and the coach, between Hertz and the coach. Obviously, you saw some good thing from Hertz. I'll be the first one to say I'm staying on the Hertz. I don't think he's an NFL starter wagon. I think he's a great guy and he can be a, like a good player in the NFL. I don't think that you should put all your eggs in the Hertz basket right now if you're the Philadelphia Eagles. Like I do not think that's necessarily a smart thing to do. You have a really small sample size and your team around him is really not that great. Um, so I think here, you, like I said, I would stick with Wentz. You know, I, I think he's the best quarterback you have on your roster. And if you can't get what you're demanding from him in a trade, then you may as well just keep him. Yeah, Lee, that's interesting. Um, 
I'm just kind of going under the basis that the relationship is is too stranded. Like it sounds like once wants to get out of there, I just think there's there's no going back. And well, then I will say again, sorry. Just to, if if the relationship is so strained that you can't have Wentz be the starter, then I think you should stick with Hertz and have him be your quarterback this year. But you have to understand that it may not go well. I guess, and I guess that's not the worst thing because you'll probably have a high pick next year if it doesn't go well. But I wouldn't rush to draft a quarterback or move up to get a quarterback because you did just draft Hurts in the second round and he has played decent in the in the four games that he played to finish the year. Um, so, you know, worst case scenario, it's like a Drew Locke scenario where you, know, you got your hopes up and you thought he was going to be the guy and, you know, you end up going 5-11 and 11 and you've got to get a quarterback next year. Hot seat, yeah, Dan yeah, Campbell pretty- or Nick Sirianni. Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell. That's another thing. This Sirianni guy, I don't really know. I don't really know what to think of him. Um, yeah, Lee, you pretty much summed up my position. I guess I was the highest on Hertz out of us three, and I, I'm not saying he's a franchise quarterback, but I do think what he's able to do with his legs, I've been calling him a poor man's Dak. I think he's a gamer. I think he's a winner. I think Philly liked playing for him. I think the team liked him more than Wentz. Um, oh, the whole man. Sudfield thing, like... I don't know about that. I do. I think I think Carson Wentz. I maybe I'm buying into the hype. I think he's a toxic person in Philly. Like I think he he seems to be the the whole Nick Foles thing. He seems to be a little bit of a pouty big North Dakota baby. He wants to be out in his camo <laughs> in the in the woods. Um, I think Hurts. This at least, I think you said it perfectly. I think it's it, the oh. high upside of Hurts. This division is it should be better next year, but. The Eagles, if Hurts is playing like he did against the New Orleans of the world, against the, you know, I guess, the Arizonas of the world, where he's able to make some plays and, and will his team uh, into some wins, you can win this division. And I think they need to get – they're in a prime position to take a receiver at six. They could take a corner. Um, they definitely need a linebacker. I don't know what's going on with this whole Micah Parsons supposedly hazing hazing uh, kids on Penn State, and I don't know what that's going to do to his draft stock. He did. But, There's no supposed anymore. No, I mean I know that he did it, but that's I don't back know. Judge confirmed. I don't know. I don't know how that's Tommy, going that's to affect. Tommy, that's back judge insider confirmed. Insider info. It's BJ. It's it's BJV confirmed. Um, yep. Yeah, I think you roll with Hertz this year. You like you said, Lee, with Drew Locke. Uh, you know, you see what you have with him. You're going to have a nice young, hopefully, rookie receiver in the first or the second round, and just see what you have in Jalen Hurts and give him the keys of the yeah. offense. And then you if took you're him. bad next yeah, year. You took him in the second round. Exactly. So like, shoot. Yeah. You may as well. Uh, may as well go for it with him. I will say, yeah, I'll put I think, it in the prophecy right now, Philadelphia Eagles will not win the NFC East next year. Yeah, I mean, I, I, tend, to, I tend to agree with it's you. pretty but prophecy, but I'm I, still after, sticking to it. After what we saw from the division last year and, you know, what, what, what Washington could be rolling out with a quarterback and Dallas, you know, Dallas is, has to hit their ceiling, which, which I thought they were going to do this year. Like, there's no guarantee they're going to do that um, either. And then the Giants are the Giants, obviously, so they're, they're going to play hard. Um, but I would roll with Hurts. Uh, let's go to Detroit. We've already had a couple conversations about this, just with the Stafford thing overall. Um, but you're sitting there with Jared Goff as your as your week one starter slated in, and you know I'd be disappointed if um, you know I haven't really done my my Zach Wilson due diligence yet. However, watch the Washington tape. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't pretty. It wasn't it wasn't uh, of South Carolina at Mizzou. Uh, it was it wasn't that bad, but it was. Uh, Definitely, I mean, it, all the the things that I've seen from the 2020 uh, games where it's just like, I feel like he is a, a bit of a, he just, he's a risk taker. And I think a lot of those things came out, especially in the red zone in, in that game. Uh, and just, 
kind of just throws that were missed uh, all over the place. But then in, in the same thing, you know, in the same thing, though, with the Washington game, there's a lot of examples of his mobility and being able to make throws on the run. But, yeah, that, that wasn't pretty. Pop Warner, Zach. He, play, he plays college football like he's still out on the Pop Warner field, dude. He's just been so dominant his whole life that I don't know. And I don't – believe me, I'm not buying so hard into the – his record against top 25 teams and his stats, but it, but you have to take into account that I think he's played three or four games against top 25 teams, and he's 0-3, and he's got pretty bad numbers. Um, so that's something that I think needs to be taken into account with also taking into account that his numbers are you know astronomical outside of those games. Um, I'm not taking a quarterback here if I'm the Lions, man. I'm not doing it unless really? one falls into your lap at 7. If, if 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 Lancer Fields is sitting I, there, I think you... you take them if they fall into your lap. But I don't yeah. I don't think that's realistic. I don't think one of those guys is going to be there. I shouldn't be. You know, I mean, maybe they will. I think Lance will be there, dude. I think if Lance is there, you should take him. I agree. I with think that if Lance sentiment. is there, you should I, take him. I agree too. I, I guess I'll say because I've been um, I've been saying that they need to you know they need to get a quarterback of the future. Um, and, you know, that really could be a guy next year or this year. My whole thing is just, like, it is Brad Holmes. Does, does Brad Holmes It just can't be golf. Can't. Mm-hmm. It just can't yeah, be golf. Exactly. We all agree. It just can't, yep. it can't be golf. And for, let's say, that Lance isn't there or Fields or Wilson isn't there, I think the Lions, perfect spot to trade back. Trade back. I don't know. I guess I don't know how but much I mean, of a market there will be. It depends who no wants to come up. I, if, if, yeah. if there's no QB there, I think you just take a, a tackle. Devonta. Really? Oof. Take Devonta. Well, here's the thing. I, I don't they, want them to take a receiver. But are they going to are they franchising Kenny? Like if they don't if no. they don't keep Kenny then you kind of need dude, to take a receiver, let, dude. No you don't. Let Goff creator. No, I, <laughs> I would take Devonta. I think your... Devonta's built different, man. I think he's I think he's the best player in the draft outside of Trevor Lawrence, so I think if you can get that guy at 7, that's a guy who You're going to have Quintez Cephas as as wide receiver one. I think that's a guy who's going to be a me- Tim Patrick. I, I think I think uh Devonta Smith would be the best player on the Lions the minute he got drafted. So, like, I think that means something, and that would be a, a great first pick for them to have. Club, I totally understand what you're, where you're coming from. I just think with a guy like Devonta Smith. I just don't see Devonta Smith or – and maybe I'm just being – I'm looking too much into, like, the whole size thing, but it's like I don't see Devonta Smith as being, like, an Amari – I mean, I don't know, just like a Julio Jones or a Calvin Johnson. Like, Well, he's not going to be a Julio Jones or Calvin. I, I think he can make a similar impact. He's a different type of player. But I think yeah. I, I think Devonta Smith will, should absolutely be a top-tier receiver in the NFL. Like not, I think Devonta. I think Devonta. You know, Devonta Smith reminds me a lot of is Justin Jefferson. I think that's. I think yeah, that's, I think that's type a fair of, comparison. Of I, dude, he's just got like smooth, easy skill, dude. That you don't really see. Very often, it just makes everything look easy. And the only knock on him is that he's one sixty-five when he's been one sixty-five his whole life. And like, I think the only he, he just played in the SEC at Alabama and broke every record at one sixty-five. Like all those dudes that were playing against him on defense are going to get drafted too. Yeah. I don't think he's going to get like bullied in the NFL. I think he's like a dog. He's a gamer. Either. He's a Heisman winner. I think that's a guy who. You can't really pass up at seven. I don't think he's going to be there at seven. I think he's going to go to the Dolphins at three or the Eagles or the Bengals maybe. Um, but if he's there at seven, I think you take him. Um, but I think it's an interesting conundrum you find yourself in if you have Lance and Devonta available. I think probably you take Lance because of the upside of what Trey Lance could become, especially, I think, 
in the situation with Detroit where you could kind of shelter him and sit him for a year and build the roster a little bit? Um, I kind of think we can group Carolina and Denver at 8-9 and nine together, both teams who we know for a fact. What just happened? Tommy, did you just break the chair you were sitting in? I just took a spill. <laughs> Too bad we don't have call recorder. Uh, we're recording the video. Oh, man. That was great. I moved the right, table out to get a little bit better Wi-Fi, and I was on the... Uh, well, Your connection's you know good, man. We can we can hear you. Well, I, I broke up a little bit, but, I mean, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, we got we got the garage band going, so we're good. Sorry. Carry back on, on, boys. Carry back on, on boys. track. I was going to say, I think we can kind of group Carolina and Denver into the same conversation um, both of these teams made aggressive plays uh, for Stafford. Um, I, did Denver offer number nine? Yes. Yeah, yes. so, I mean, both of these teams offered the Lions their respective picks uh, for Matthew Stafford in this draft. So, you know, both of them, I, I, I would, you know, assume that that means Denver doesn't believe in Locke for the future, and, and I don't think uh, Carolina believes in Teddy B for the future, and I think they're, you know, there's, they're, whatever, I mean, they, I'm blanking, yeah. but they're not wrong for thinking that, yeah. right? Like, I think we would agree with them in those assessments. Um, so what do you think these teams go at the quarterback position? You're sitting at eight and nine. You know, I, I don't know if you're, you're not really likely to get a guy like Fields up to fall to you. Um, whether or not these teams like Lance, I think, is still up in the air. Um, there's a lot of reasons, I think, why you would think I don't feel comfortable taking Lance in the top ten of the draft. Um, so where, where would you go? Are you trying to trade for a Wentz or a Darnold? Are you trying to bring in a Jameis? Are you going to try and trade up? Here would be my initial idea um, for either of these teams would be if the Jets do want to move on from Darnold, that's the first person I'm going to think of because I believe in Dar- I believe Dar- Darnold could be like an old guy in this draft class who could be just in the same conversation as Fields, Wilson. I really do think he could be that. Um who, if the Jets are listening for Darnold, maybe consider Carolina slash Denver. You trade your – I'll just do for the sake of doing one team right now. Let's say it's Denver. Trade the number nine pick for Darnold and the Jets' 24th pick or whatever. You get your quarterback. You still have a late first-round pick. You can even throw Locke away for a fourth or fifth somewhere else. I don't know. A third. I, I don't know what Locke would go for. Um but I think that would probably be if you're because the chances of you getting a, a quarterback, a highly regarded quarterback to fall to you is pretty slim. And I think you should consider Mac Jones. I think you should do your due diligence. I don't think Mac Jones is like bad, so bad so that, oh, he can't be in the same conversation as Zach Wilson or, you know, Trey Lance. Like these guys are sure there's a little bit more upside there, but Mac Jones, I mean, it's a guy who would have won the Heisman if it weren't for Devonta Smith being, you know, otherworldly at receiver. Um, you got to do your due diligence there, but I think if you can package something together for a Darnold, or just for the sake of being, you know, we're all for equality here at the back judge. If you like Tua more than Darnold, sure, you like Tua more than Darnold for Tua. You know, nine, nine, and uh, nine to the Dolphins for 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 Tua and and and. Um, 18 if, if they if they want to move on from two and draft a quarterback at three or whatever it is so um, I think that should be you know something they consider 
Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna talk about Mac Jones. I think Lee you bring up some some good points. That's I mean both of these teams you need to be getting a quarterback. I think if I'm a fan of this team or I'm in the front office of these teams, both of these teams have great receiving weapons. Obviously the Carolina has mm-hmm. McCaffrey. Denver's in a position where Melvin Gordon uh, he was overpaid, but he's he's can, he's fine. He can do his work, and you can draft a another running back. And Philip Lindsay is is a good player as well too. But, I mean, these, these teams are both um, in really good positions. And, I mean, obviously Carolina has Joe Brady, which I think is a plus with the way that their offense is able to operate. Um, I was going to bring up Mac Jones, Lee. I, I think th- these are both nice Mac Jones spots. Like, if you walk away from this draft taking Mac Jones at 8 or 9, it's a little rich for my liking because I think the reason he's not in with those top four guys that we've been mentioning is because of the mobility, because of the fact that, he played at Alabama, where a lot of his—I mean, it was easy for him. I'm not saying it's—I'm not saying he is isn't a first-round pick. I think he is, but a lot of that, a lot of his production came from schemed-up stuff. He wasn't thrown into a lot of tight windows. He had a lot of wide-open guys, and I think that's just a byproduct. Tua was the same way. It's just a byproduct of playing at at Alabama, but you know, on pretty much a, a junior NFL team. But I do think both of those teams are, are situations where he would be an upgrade over. Uh, Drew Locke, I think, and, and Teddy B, I think he has probably a little more upside than Teddy B, but I think can do similar things. Um, I see Mac Jones as kind of like a Kirk Cousins type guy, so I think having a, a plus quarterback in both of those offenses um, would be would be awesome. I'll say, man, I don't think Carolina should get over their skis to get a quarterback right now because they're really. Yeah. I don't think they're really in a great position to do so unless they're going to try. See, but what, what if Lee, though, like think about this. This is where I think about Carolina. I feel like they're like a year ahead of Detroit, right? So if yeah, you're the Lions Adam, next year, like one, you'd be upset. They don't have one returning offensive lineman. All five of their offensive linemen are yeah. free agents. Like how? And it's not like that we, was a great situation we were, we were either. We were just like, talking about yeah. the Mahomes Super Bowl thing. Like you need – you're telling me, you know, no quarterbacks are on the board and you're not in love with the Mac Jones tape, and but you've got Rashawn Slater there at – at eight, and you need a left tackle. Like, I'm taking him, and I'm living to see another day with Teddy Bridgewater. I don't think I, Mac Jones is going to get you to the Super Bowl or get you. Your offense is good, but you need to build the offensive line. You got some good pieces on defense. Maybe you get a guy like Ellinger in the third round or a Kellen Mott. I don't know. Maybe you can build one of those guys. Yeah. You know, we're seeing. Shoot, we were just talking about how Jalen Hurts could be the quarterback for the Eagles. He was a second or mid second round pick. We're talking about guys who. Maybe do a little bit of deep deep digging and try to sit someone behind Teddy who can learn the system under Joe Brady and, and try to be efficient that way because you're kind of in a middle position here where um, I don't know if you're going to be able to, to, to get the quarterback of your choosing and you have a very depleted offensive line. So I think, I, I think you should maybe consider that too. Lee, I think that's interesting. I didn't really even know about the offensive line, but I've been thinking uh, when I do my mocks that none of my none of them have gone public yet. I think this is a great Kyle Pitts spot. Um, you have Ian Thomas. Oh man, who, that's such a luxury pick, though. It's just such oh. a luxury. Well, you were just talking about how many weapons. To, and dude, I I like Pitts, but like you were just even for a guy like you're just talking about how many weapons they had on offense. Their offensive line is depleted. I think I don't know. You do, I don't think you can get a toy here. If you. If uh, I want you guys to indulge me here, I want you when I when I say Kyle Pitts, I want you to think Darren Waller because I think that's the impact that this guy is going to have at the next level. Okay, he's not a tight end. Don't think of him as a tight end. He's a, he's a big I know slot. What he he's is, a move dude. piece. I know what he is. I know, uh, but I'm just know even Darren Waller on the Panthers. They don't make the playoffs with Darren Waller. No, but they're not going to make the playoffs regardless. Probably, but, like, but I think a franchise left is, tackle, is, a franchise left tackle, can do more for your franchise 
than a 22-year-old a, Darren Waller. It's a deep it's a deep tackle class, man. I think if you get a like there's Jalen Mayfield, there's uh San Cosme or whatever from from Texas, there's Alex Leatherwood. There's a lot of tackles in this class. Obviously there's a guy like Pat Fryermuth or Brevin Jordan, like there's still some good tight ends, but I just think Kyle Pitts is such a weapon, especially if you don't retain Curtis Samuel. And even if you do, if you're coming in and talking about what like Klepp said where you're like with the Lions, if you're going into a spot next year where you can get a quarterback of the future or make a trade for whomever, even a guy like Teddy B who's checked down Teddy and just giving him more weapons with a healthy Christian McCaffrey hopefully for the whole year, I think you are you could be looking at maybe the best offensive skill position group in the NFL. I don't think that, that that's that much of a hot take. Uh, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Christian McCaffrey, and Kyle Pitts making the impact that I think he can make from day one uh, yeah. in the NFL. It's an interesting, it's interesting. thought to indulge, but I, I, would, I, would rather ha- I would rather take a top tackle there. Um, because even the guys you named, like Leatherwood, Mayfield, Cosby, they could all be gone by the time Carolina's picking in the second round. And then what does that leave you with? I, I just think you – I don't know if you can get too cute here. Um, I, I like Kyle Pitts. I think he's probably a top three most dominant offensive player in the draft with Devonta Smith and Jamar Chase. He's in that conversation. But I just don't think with having Robbie Anderson, with having DJ Moore, and having Christian McCaffrey – and the offensive line being in the state it's in, and you having taken care of defense last year in the draft, I just think it's kind of your duty to, if you can't get a quarterback, get a franchise left tackle and live to see another day and, and, and draft a skill position later in the cool. draft if you want to book up the offense. And another thing, just I mean, Rashawn Slater's a stud, but he might not be a tackle. On the, uh, you know, that's kind of like the knock on, on Slater is, you know, he might he kind of has like the Jonah Williams. I know people are obsessed with like the, the arm length and everything like that. Um so yeah, I mean, if, well, if, yeah. if there's Rashawn pros Slater, and cons to all Slater. these guys, I'm just saying, if I'm take the top, whoever your top tackle is on your draft board for the yeah. Carolina, I'm just saying Rashad Slater because he's slated in in some mock drafts before uh, Suo is. I've seen so that's yeah. a guy. Darisaw, Christian Darisaw is impressive and Dara, too. That's yeah, a big so, man. So there, just some, whoever your top tackle is for um, and just uh, for Denver too. Den- different situation, I, I, yeah. They're in a different situation where I feel like they need to go get a quarterback uh, at this point with wh- with where Fangio is at, with where their offense is at as a whole, with Garrett Bowles, you know, being a lot better last year and the weapons that they've assembled. You got to get a guy that's going to be able to direct this thing, which is where you know it's like, do you take another shot on a rookie? I mean, you know, you could see Mac Jones coming into Denver and, and being successful uh, because you know there is a you know. A nucleus around him per se, but then you know, do you start looking at trading for Darnold or even signing a guy like Jameis? Yeah, I think um, I don't know because I, I I think Jameis deserves another chance to start in the I league. I think Jameis is going to be the starting quarterback for the Saints week one yeah, next year. I, yeah. I think they're hanging on to him. I was watching an interview with Sean Payton talking about how impressed he was with Jameis and how he was really emphasizing how good of a fit he thought Jameis was in New Orleans. So I just think. That the Taysom Hill experiment has kind of like run its course, and I think Jameis is, is there to stay in New Orleans. I think that it's very interesting that it is a really different situation with uh, with Denver as opposed to Carolina because you do have Bulls had a breakout year last year. You have a solid offensive line. You signed Gordon, like, and you have Philip Lindsay, and you have a lot of good skill positions. So you've got a good offense, and it really is. You have a well led defense. I know they just cut Bouye, so I, I'm, maybe they consider taking a corner, but. I'm totally with you guys when it comes to uh, getting a quarterback in there who you think can win games. And I don't know, man, maybe Carson Wentz is a good fit in Denver, a little bit closer to his, his camo North Dakota, North Dakota uh, upbringing. And uh, 
He's got some good pieces around him. I don't know if maybe you want – that could be equal parts as uh, disturbing for Broncos fans as it is exciting because of the issues with accuracy and maybe getting a little bit of uh, more of the same with from the quarterback position. But Darnold, Wentz, I think you've got to make a move to get one of these guys um, playing quarterback for the Denver Broncos next year because that the Chiefs aren't going anywhere in that division, and we just saw what Herbert did last year, and you, you kind of got to make your move to get a quarterback too because Locke sure ain't it. As far as uh, Dallas goes, Tommy, I mean, we're all Dak. Just just get the deal done. Yeah, but they can't. They don't have cap space, man. They no, like they have, have it, to, Tommy. They they can't. They because I, I mean I wasn't really even. I was doing a. I, I go on this website, a little mock GM simulator. All right, it's a very rudimentary. You can't even mock, but you go through an offseason with your team. And I believe the cap hit for a franchise for a quarterback is thirty-seven million dollars. It's a thirty-seven million dollar, you know, one-year franchise tag for Dak. When they already tagged him too, right? I don't think Didn't they he... have yet. Okay. I don't think they have yet. Um, I thought he was playing on the tag this year. He he was playing on the tag this year, but you know, it's but it's it'd just, be a second tag. He would you'd have to tag him again. It's a Kirk Cousins situation. Yeah. Um. Obviously, yes, I want them to keep Dak. If they keep Dak, then I think this is a great Pat Sertain spot. You need another corner, an alpha corner. I think Trayvon Diggs really impressed me in his rookie year, but I think Sertain's a different animal and is is because has the potential to be an elite corner. But if you, I mean, if you're tagging trading Dak for someone for picks or whatever, then you need to go up and get a quarterback. You need to go up and try and get the second selection from the Jets, Matt the third Jones. selection from. We're going to get Mac Jones. He just sounds like a Cowboys um, quarterback. He does. Well, and, and, and I think the Cowboys are in a great situation to they, – they could take a, on a, a rookie quarterback, preferably not Mac Jones, but someone who their offense is, is tailor-made for success because of the weapons they have. You've got CeeDee Lamb, who's a stud. You've got Amari Cooper, who's a stud. Michael Gallup is, is easily a number two. You got Cedric Wilson, who came on last year. Like, I really won't think they should trade Gallup. They don't really need him. Um, you're gonna have to re-sign him after this year anyway, and, and I think you can get probably a second or third round pick for him. Um, you know, the the, the Cal- dude, I think I think you could. I think you could, man. Third round pick maybe. The Cowboys are they're they're zero percent chance, man. They Zeke is on an awful contract. Tony Pollard. Lee's better throwing than up him. the Mark bomb in the Vegas in the Vegas uh, <laughs> convention. Zero. 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 Yeah, I watched that the other day. Uh, <laughs> the cow. The Cowboys are in a tough situation, man. The defense is in tatters. You've got some really. I mean, the Zeke contract probably is the worst contract in the NFL right now, behind maybe Jared Goff's. Um, but now that Goff's moved on from the Rams, I mean. The, the Cowboys in a really bad situation, um, but I do think they're in a situation where you, whoever you get in at quarterback, obviously Dak probably is has the highest floor right now. But I think I don't think there's any reason why a, a Justin Fields or uh, a, uh, Zach Wilson or even a Trey Lance can come in and, and have success as a rookie. Obviously, yeah, but it's not I don't know. Shoot, I don't know how that would happen. Um, you better hope that Zeke is like having you know uh, uh, mask off. Off season, you better hope that he's like coming back next year, you know. Because I don't know, man. I just think Zeke is well, he Zeke was really good when Dak was playing. I mean, the first he's, four he's weeks, good. he was really good when he's, Dak was playing. He's so. good, but he's not worth 15 million dollars, no, you know, no, no, especially he's not. when he's not when Pollard. Like, I think Pollard, obviously, I've been 
banging the Pollard drum, and I'm not even like I think he's just a better fit for the offense. Like he's just a little bit more dynamic out of the backfield as a receiver, and Zeke is like a very you know. He, I, I don't know if he's less explosive than he was, but he obviously just is. He's become a little less bit more explosive a, than he was. Of a, yeah, he's just become a little bit more of a thumper, um, and I, I just don't know. I, I mean, obviously, I'm trying to get out of that contract as soon as I can if I'm the Cowboys, but they're they're in a tough situation. I think. I mean, if you want to talk about the Dolphins getting a quarterback, what about Dak to Miami? Tag and trade Dak to Miami. They can work out a long term deal for maybe the number three pick. You know, I'm not. Too keen on doing that if I'm the Dolphins. You think about you think about. If I'm I mean, giving up that number three pick. I'm getting Watson for it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's an interesting conversation. Like how much worse Fields is, even over, is, over getting Dak? I think Fields is like a younger version of Dak, basically. Yeah, you're getting. I guess you're getting a proven commodity, though. Or maybe you. I mean, yeah. maybe you tag and trade him to uh, whomever. You know, the Panthers or uh, Denver, and then you use ten and eight to move up to two. Mm. Like that's mm. the way you have to be thinking because if you do. If you do tag Dak again, you're going to have to cut some players. I mean, I know they have some players they can cut easily, but you're not going to have any cap space going into the next year. So they're in a, they're in a really bad situation. Uh, Tommy, what do you think about the Giants? In my mind, they're not getting rid of Gettleman, so I just don't really see them moving off of Daniel Jones, even though they should. Yeah, Clap, I'm with you. I think they should be moving off of Daniel Jones, but it's not a dire situation. It's not a, a Haskins situation or even a Drew Locke situation. I think Daniel Jones... Is a little, I view him in a little bit uh, better of a light than them, and I think if I'm the Giants, uh, you need pass rush. So they're in a, they're in a nice spot to take a pass rusher, but I think getting one of those receivers, if you can get a Devonta Smith, a Jalen Waddle, uh, Jamar Chase, if he's there, um, I mean even a guy like Kyle Pitts. I know they have Evan Ingram, and that might be a little oh. bit re- a little bit oh. redundant, but I think I mean I view Pitts as a receiver to be honest. I review him I view him as a big receiver, and I think you kind of have to. Um, they need weapons, man. Darius Slayton's not a number one. He's a very nice number two receiver. They have a bunch of nice number two receivers. So I think if you can get a number one kind of alpha receiver to replace Odell finally and, if, and give Daniel Jones that option with Saquon coming back healthy, that's where I would lean. Yeah, I'm not in love with Daniel Jones. Um, I just don't know how much they can do to move on from him. And, you know, he's shown some things. So I guess it's like he's 23. Um, I can't be, you know, talking about how great Darnold is and then on the other hand being like, oh, Daniel Jones is trash and they need to move on from him. So I think uh, Tommy makes some good points. Like, boy, if you could get blessed with a Devonta Smith at the 11th pick, you go ahead and do that. But outside of that, I think you're in a good position to kind of continue to build that defense. And um, I like what I saw to Joe Judge in the first year. If I'm Gettleman or if I'm the, the Giants brass, I'm thinking, hey, we're building this thing. Got a 23-year-old quarterback who's a good little athlete, and, you know, his processing isn't great, but we're trying to make him a better quarterback, and by the time maybe he's 25, um, he can be our franchise quarterback, and we can get Saquon back next year, and we can really get things going. Um, So, yeah, I think a receiver or a cornerback possibly would be kind of where my mind was at, Um, and I think the Giants have to kind of stick in there and and stay with Daniel Jones for for another couple years to really see what they've got in him. The Niners have been in the market for, I'm assuming they called around on Stafford. They've been documented in the market for Kirk Cousins. Um, They're clearly trying to move off of Jimmy Garoppolo, whose cap hit would be very minimal if they just traded him or cut him loose. I think think Shanahan's looking for someone else to run this thing. Um, Lee and I were kind of talking about, Tommy, in terms of their division, they need to get a guy at least. I mean, they have the worst quarterback position 
by a sizable margin compared to the Cardinals, Seahawks, and Rams. So if you're the Niners, I think you have to make a move. But, you know, what yeah. that is is, is unclear. Yeah, uh, I'm all in for a quarterback if I'm if I'm the Niners. Preferably one that I'm, I draft just because of the rookie contract. And I just don't view Kirk Cousins, obviously, the same way that Shanahan does. But that seems like something that, you know, isn't really that realistic. It, happened. it seems like Minnesota is keen on keeping him. Um, and then, you know, who else are you going to try and get? Like Derek Carr. I mean, I, you know, just I would I would send 112, your 40, the 44th overall pick in a first next year and try and get a quarterback because I think the system is so user-friendly. They already have so many weapons around them. And, I mean, I if I had to bet right now on the team to win the NFC West, I, st- I still think I'd take San Francisco, even with the Whoa. addition of, uh, even with the addition really? of Stafford with the Rams. I do. I mean, they were – Depending they were, on what they do in the draft or even as it stands now. I mean, I'm assuming I trust the brass. I trust John Lynch. I think they're, you know, they're they're my blue chip. You know, they're, they're I don't know, man. Chips, they lost, they're going to lose Dick Sherman. They lost Sala. I, they don't. They have the worst quarterback, like Klepp said, by a sizable margin. I don't know, man. But they had the worst quarterback when they went to the Super Bowl, and he was one big throw away from. Uh, well, yeah, but he played really, winning that he played game well. Like Garoppolo had a good season that year. He wasn't like great, but he was like. He wasn't like clearly the eyesore of the division at the quarterback position, like people view him now. I mean, he. I think that's, but I think I don't. I don't know how based in reality that is. I don't think Garoppolo like played that much worse this year. I just think Garoppolo. But he's been injured two out of the three years he's been exactly. Well, and he got injured in New England. England. Speaking of injuries, yes, injuries and uh, you know Bosa tore his ACL. I'd rather uh, take Mac Jones at twelve than put some picks together to try to get your boy Zach Willie. I'd rather take Mac. I think Mac Jones is like a good system quarterback that could come in and I, we compared him to Kirk the, Cousins I, even. So, yeah, no, no, no. I Lee, that's that's very interesting. I'm very enticed by like a Justin Fields, Trey Lance, or even a Wilson just because of the mobility that what they can what Shanahan can do with like a mobile quarterback. He's never had that. You know, this is only the only time he had that was with. Johnny Football, so um, I'm I'm very intrigued by the possibility of. Uh, I just you know I think quarterback as it stands is easier to play. I mean I don't want to say easier, but I just think you, the you guys can have success coming out of college as rookies, and I think San Francisco is just such. I love their offense. I love what they do um, as a team and as an organization. So I really want to see them kind of reach their ceiling with uh, you know a rookie quarterback or a guy who clearly has more upside than Jimmy G. Um, Chargers, going to stick with Herbert for the coming year, although I'm selling my Chargers stock. I don't, I don't trust that organization with the weird head coach hire and everything that went on. With They were supposed to have Dabble locked up and went away from it the last second to get Staley from the Rams, whatever. Um, Minnesota seems like they'll be sticking with Kirk. They're kind of in no man's land as an organization. Uh, where you, where's your guys' heads at with Minnesota? Like, like the defense will be better next year just because it was so bad this year and Zimmer that won't happen with Zimmer. Yeah, I think the defense will be better, but I, it's not gonna like it's gonna be a, good, a really good defense. Like I think they'll be better in yeah. the way where like they'll be average instead of really bad. Um, obviously, you have a great couple of weapon weapons on offense with Thielen and, and uh, Jefferson and Dalvin, obviously too. So I think you know you kind of hold your position, you stay with Kirk. The division is pretty bad. Um, you know, I think you kind of give it another run. I think trenches. Yeah, 
Trenches, trenches, yeah. trenches. Yep. That's what I'm saying for no, I, I agree. Minnesota. The O-line, O-line or D-line, um, you know, they need an edge, obviously. And How many Daniel games Hunter did Hunter play? Did he play a game? Zero, yeah. I think. I don't I think he played one. Zero. Yeah. He didn't play one. He one. So that's and I think Minnes- yeah. Minnesota had some of the worst offensive line play in the league last year. I know their guards are just abysmal. Um, so I mean, I'm Drew, actually, Drew Smith ain't getting it done. Just, no, I think I mean to be honest, like uh, Rashawn Slater, Darisaw, I think this is a perfect landing spot for him or or uh, Lee, Lee Quiddy Pay. You know, I think Quiddy Pay. Um, I like Quiddy Pay right now as my edge number one for the for the draft, and I think he has like obscene upside with his athletic profile. So. And I think Zimmer, like like we did with Daniil Hunter, who kind of was a similar type uh, projection coming out of LSU. So mm. I would be tr- I would be trenches, trenches, trenches if I'm uh, Minnesota. New England, any any thoughts here, guys? Uh, I feel like we keep tossing around Mac Jones, right? Like, is Bill Belichick going to draft a quarterback? He's sixty. He's what sixty eight years old. Is he going to start over right now? Like. I don't know, man. Well, what, I mean, what else are you going to do? I don't know. Yeah, I, I, what else are you going to do is right. I um, I don't think Mac Jones is a good fit for New England. I think they should be getting – I, I kind of like the direction they were going with Cam, getting a more mobile guy. Um, and I think we saw in those first three weeks of Cam, like, kind of what Josh McDaniels can do with a mobile quarterback and what they were – how they were looking. They looked like a live team in the AFC, so – um, but I mean, I guess if Mac Jones is there, I guess you kind of you kind of have to take him unless you're just gonna you're gonna tank. Um, so, I mean, uh, you kind of have to get a quarterback or a receiver playmaker. I think yeah, I think you can. I think this is probably get, the floor for uh, Pitts. Play, I don't see Pitts getting past. Yeah, I don't know if they need to draft a quarterback though. I think they can outsource. Um. Arizona going to stick with Kyler, and Vegas is an interesting spot, too. I mean, Vegas, to me, like, they got to make some sort of move, right? Like, I don't know. Arizona and, and, and Vegas, to me, are, like, two teams this year where it's kind of put up or shut up. Mm-hmm. Like, both of these teams, I feel like, need to make the playoffs this year or, or else their coaches, I mean, everything could be in trouble. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't know if I would well, see Mark Davis, like, getting rid of Gruden and – and Mayock, if they go eight and eight again, but I mean, well, you got to start seeing some results. Is there? There's a lot of smoke around Derek Carr right now. I mean, John Gruden was on uh, the Chris Collinsworth po- podcast over at PFF and wax poetic about about Deshaun Watson, um, and which fueled you know speculation that they're going to move Derek Carr and then you know make make a Godfather offer to Houston to get Deshaun. I definitely think Gruden wants you know. I think. I mean, Derek Carr wasn't awful last year. Like the Raiders were, the Raiders were fine. They kind of just threw up on themselves down the stretch, um, and their defense is awful. So I don't think it's the end of the world if they're going into next year with with Derek Carr, who, who, another year in the offense with Rugs, and kind of going after you know a defensive uh, defensive piece like Connor Ryan's boy, Jim. Uh, what's his name? Jeremiah J O K. Awusa Kamara. Yeah, I think getting you know kind of speed at the second level. Um, or a corner, you know, something like that, I think could be interesting for Oakland. It's Vegas, sorry. Are there, like, um, sleigh bells underneath you, Tommy? It's, uh, it's Sansa. Oh, gotcha. Sorry. Yeah, no, 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 it's, it's fine. The cat. It's the, fine. Cat, the cat has a leash here. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see. A lot of extracurricular noise coming from Tommy's uh, yeah. side yeah. of the, the Skype the, this episode. 
I'm uh, I broke the couch I've been living on, and I'm I'm caring for for Sansa, this 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 beautiful cat who's now messing with the couch that I broke. Mm. So it's pandemonium here. Lee, did you have any extra thoughts on yeah, that? Or? I don't know. It's almost like there's um, there's more positions to be filled than quarterbacks to fill them. So there are going to be some un- Yeah, I, the, the, I was going to say, like, we're getting down this list here, and it's just the, the amount of teams that either have middling quarterbacks as their starters where, at least from our perspective, we see you know them as not kind of giving you a chance to contend for a Super Bowl, and then the amount of teams that just don't even have an answer right now at quarterback – it's kind of alarming. Yeah, it makes me think that there's going to be some either A, um, reaches in the first round of the draft at quarterback where we're going to see some guys who don't deserve to be going in the first round taken in the first round, or B, uh, we're going to see some, some unorthodox names get, get opportunities a la you know, Jared Stidham last year in, in, in New England. Maybe we're going to see um, some guys that teams liked from drafts past um, that were drafted later in the uh, in, in the draft, you know, going out and getting guys like that who are free agents and giving them an opportunity to, to have the keys to to a, to a franchise. So I don't really know. Yeah, I think uh, I think the the Raiders are probably trying to move on from Derek Carr, but I don't necessarily think I'll be shocked if he's the uh, starting quarterback week one for them next year. Um, and I don't really know if they have the facilities to make uh, an offer for for Watson at this point. Um. Yeah, especially if, if Houston's looking for some defensive pieces. It's not mm-hmm. like there's too many of those in, in Vegas. I guess you could move on from a guy like Max Crosby or Jonathan Abram, but that's just going to compound your problems on that side of the ball that are already you know extremely worrisome. You know, Washington, Chicago, both of these teams at 19 and 20 are teams that made plays for Stafford. And I mean, it, when you get down here, it's just like these teams are even kind of further out of control of what their quarterback's destinies might be. Taylor Heineke may, may just be the starter for the football team next yeah. year, man. Yeah. I mean, that may just happen. I think, uh, you know, he, he played great against Washington. I just don't know how much you can take from that, you know. And, and is, I don't know, Alex Smith's future is kind of uncertain, I guess. I think there's a permanent uh, asterisk next to Alex Smith just based on the history there. Um, yeah. And Heine- I mean, for yeah. both. For both Washington and Chicago, you obviously need to to upgrade. Um, are the Colts at twenty one? I think we could probably group yeah. them. In, they, we can group them in too because I wanted to talk about the Colts not taking the Wentz bait, which I think is just an awesome thing. If you're like that's what you want your your football team to be doing. If you're quarterback hungry, I mean, I saw today. Supposedly the Colts were offering. I think a second round pick this year, a second round pick next year, and then like a third and a fourth. I think spread out for Wentz. And, you know, Philly is, you know, trying to get, like, two first-round picks or trying to get a Stafford-esque package for him. Um, and, you know, I just think that's, you know, that's smart general managing on the part of, of Chris Ballard, not really overpaying um, for a quarterback. But all of these teams, Washington, Chicago, and, and Indy, I guess, are kind of, uh, con- not contenders, but they're playoff threats. I guess Indy's probably the biggest contender out of all of them um, and are kind of a quarterback away from, you know, being a threat in their division. So... Um, I would just, you know, one of these teams is going to make make a, a big move, you know, yeah. for Wentz probably. I mean, it looks like Chicago. it's either Chicago or Indy for Wentz. So, um, and I just don't know what to think about that. I mean, like, what would you guys give up for Carson Wentz? I'd give up 21 for him if I'm the Colts. Yeah. Just 
pick 21 for yeah. once. I think I probably would, Yeah, too. I don't think that's the worst decision. Yeah. Just. I think that would probably that would would rather, solve a lot of problems. Have, I keep asking you this, but would you rather have Wentz or uh, Darnold? Darnold. Darnold. Yeah. Right. Chain Darnold. link at 30, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Big day. Big day. Um, big day for the big portfolio. Year. Tennessee got Tannehill. Jets we've talked about. Pittsburgh, I guess, is going with Big Ben again, right? Pouncey retired though. Haskins. Has that been official? You want to yeah. talk you want to talk about selling stock, man. I'm selling my Pittsburgh stock. Then they, I'm buying, until I'm, they I'm signed buying JJ Watt and they got both the Watt bros on the defensive <laughs> line. And Sean Daigle can die in peace. Yeah, exactly. Sean, Sean Daigle is going to be through the roof. I mean, I think Pittsburgh, um, obviously their defense can still bring it, but, dude, Ben is Ben is bad, man. Ben is not good, and, and he's not going to get better. Um, I think really what we were talking about, or at least what I was talking about the whole offseason with, with Roethlisberger and really selling him, really came to fruition on the back nine of the year, and especially in that Cleveland playoff game. Um, they need to make an upgrade at quarterback. This could be a spot where, like, Lee, your boy, you know, Kyle, this could be, like, an overdrafting of Kyle Trask. Like, I think they need to do something to, to get a quarterback. Kyle they Trask have, sucks. They have weapons. You, they should draft no, Kellen Mond before they draft I, Kyle Trask. Yeah. Or I Sam mean, Ellinger. You're, you're I take Sam opinion. Ellinger They're, over Kyle Trask. They need to be. Uh, they need to make a move, man. They need to make a move. Yeah, sure. it's hubris too, um, though. They should have gotten Jameis last year or made a move for someone last year, and they didn't do it because they're the Steelers. They're the almighty Steelers, and you know they know what they're doing. So, um, I mean, yeah. The, the rest of the is there any kind of interesting teams you guys think in the rest of the order? I mean, it gets pretty uh, QB heavy late. I mean, quarterbacks kind of rule it, rule it all. Yeah. Um. I mean, I think some interesting spots in, in Baltimore to see what they're going to do, um, kind of what Baltimore, what they're trying to do with their offense going forward. Are they going to try and get a guy like a Rashad Bateman or, you know, Rondell Moore, Kadarius Toney, a guy who you can kind of put in the slot and do a lot of, you know, yak stuff. But they got a guy, Devin Duvernay, who I think I still believe in, and Lee, I know you do too, um, who kind of can do a lot of that, a lot of those things. But they need to do something to kind of help Lamar out and then, Green Bay, I think, is in a similar situation where I think if they were to get a guy like uh, Rondell Moore or Kadarius Toney, a guy that can just be a little, a little bit more of a playmaker, kind of in that Debo, uh, Ayuk kind of role with Devontae really just being their, their alpha number one um, and giving a little a yak playmaker for Rodgers, I think that would be, mm-hmm. be a nice move. Um, yeah, I think that pretty yeah. much wraps it up, man. I think Rondell Moore would be a great fit in Green Bay. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see kind of come closer to draft season where these guys are getting projected and kind of where their stocks are going. A lot of uncertainty. I mean, how much, how much do you guys think of kind of the QB puzzle for the offseason will be solved by draft day? You'd have to think, the, you'd have to think a good amount yeah, of it. Yeah, I think like most of it free agency, free agency comes first. Um, I guess There's we're going to be some weird stuff, though. You know? Yeah. We should mention the Saints. Uh, I tend to agree with Lee. I think Jameis is going to be their guy going forward. I think they'd kind of be dumb not to because what other options do you have? Um, the thing with the Saints is just the cap the cap stuff. You know, they're the cap magicians. Um, I saw that they uh, they freed up a bunch of space by, by uh, you know, 
getting Drew Brees' contract into like a pure signing bonus. So, um, yeah, it's definitely gonna be interesting to see what they what they do. But um, all the rest of the teams, like you said, this is, these are all the playoff teams. They're kind of set. Um, yeah, pretty much wraps it up. Alrighty, boys. This this episode has made me feel like. Uh, Mac Jones for sure will not be the last quarterback taken in the first round. Yeah. So I got to kind of do a little bit of deep digging and try to figure out where these teams' heads are going to be at closer to the end of the first round. Uh, Tommy's got to get out to La Quinta. Yes, sir. It's been a pleasure, boys. I'm going off to the desert. That's where I'm going to do my silent reflection is out in the desert, on La Quinta. Got a little buffer in here. Alrighty boys, Q stay scheming.